Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by 12 by 12. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. I've got my headphones now. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you just fine. We we did have a... Did you get to hear our debate about what you're wearing, though, and how you were moving? No! Could you please, just to settle a score, uh, <laughs> tell us in either order that you're comfortable. You don't certainly don't have to. But um, what are you wearing, and how did you move from where you are now to the space to get the headphones and then, and then return? So I'm currently dressed like a sorority sister from the early aughts in a boot <laughs> so close, and an oversized Laura, you're so close. sweatshirt. And, uh, and then I, I dashed back to the house with sort of like my hands held on kind of either side of my face. Um, was, your hair, was your hair flowing? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh come on, okay. that's obvious. You don't get points for yeah. that. That's not fair. <laughs> don't do that. But if you picture the way Bette Midler sort of saunters across the stage, but then lift her hands so that they're like instead of in front of her chest, they're all the way uh, on either side of her face. That's kind of what I was doing. Sort of a panicked. It was yeah, flamboyant dash. I, I think oh combined we were pretty close. <laughs> I, I was saying that you could not hear because I didn't know if you could hear the, through speakers or not. But I'm fully going on Instagram alone what I'm picturing. But um, <laughs> Lori was like, oh, I know the answer to this. <laughs> I Lori had the, the confidence in the saunter. I, I did not. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 672. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Joining me today is Jason June and Lori Richmond, the author and illustrator of Porcupine Cupid. Jason June talks of the magic we create when we're connected, and this story laces that magic throughout. Much like Porcupine Cupid, Jason June is in love with love and works throughout this story to ensure not to define what it means to be in love. Lori's illustrations are laced with love and hearts and connection throughout, and it was just so wonderful to be in conversation with them both. I honestly never wanted it to end. Please welcome my guests, Jason June and Lori Richmond, the author and illustrator of Porcupine Cupid. 
Uh, I am Jason June, and I go by he, him, or she, her pronouns. Um, I call myself genderqueer, which just for me means I feel like I don't fit on either side of the binary, but I do feel like I am in between the binary, and I classify myself as femme, so that's why I also use the she, her pronouns, because my overriding energy is feminine, but I was born in a boy's body. Um, And I'm a writer mermaid, I like to call myself. I like to write things that are whimsical and full of fantasy, both literal fantasy, like actual magic, but then also finding things that are about the magic in the real world and the magic we can create by connecting with each other. And I try to do that through picture books and chapter books. And I also write young adult novels. That's awesome. Well, Jason June, <laughs> you you are a tough act to follow. Lori, I know, Lori, you should have gone first. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to be so boring. I'm not like a magical unicorn. All right, all right, I'll give it a try. So my name is Lori Richmond, um, and I go by she, her, hers. And I'm an artist and an author illustrator, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, And sometimes I am um, author illustrator in my books, and sometimes I am illustrator only. And that's the case um, of the book that I made with Jason June. Yay, lovely. You made Porcupine Cupid, and it's so adorable. And I could say on record how adorably adorable it is and that it is, um, what, five-year-old approved and five-year-old beloved in our house and um you know whenever there's words that are on a page my my five-year-old cannot um read any random word yet there are a bunch of sight words she knows but jason june i will have you proudly know that just like when we pick up an elephant and piggy book uh my girl can totally quote unquote read your book with the ouches and all of that that is a thing that she's like this is my part poke out like (laughs) yeah yeah, she's got this (laughs) i love that so um i i think maybe best i mean i could i'm happy to make the introduction but why don't i give you jason june first a chance to introduce this book for folks that haven't um met the story yet and then we'll get into talking a whole lot about it You bet. So Porcupine Cupid is a Valentine's Day story because Valentine's Day is and has always been my favorite holiday. I'm in love with love. So I knew when I finally got to actually be a writer for a job that I had to have a Valentine's Day book someday. And my favorite part about love is how it's so unpredictable and that it can just kind of pop up on you in the, in any sort of circumstance when you're least expecting it. Um, Like, it's the whole reason why there's romance tropes in the rom-com industry about like, oh, this is my best friend. I can't fall in love with them. But then you do. Or, (laughs) oh, this is just supposed to be the person I date to get over my last big relationship. I'm not going to fall in love with them. But then you do. And so for Porcupine Cupid, I wanted to show to our youngest readers that whole concept about love popping up on you when you're not expecting it. And so Porcupine... Uh, who fancies himself a Cupid, wants to bring people together, and he uses his quills by doing that. And he pokes his forest neighbors, and they can't quite figure out what's going on. And so at first they're very annoyed, which seems like a reasonable response. And then they hold a meeting to solve the pokey porcupine problem. And at this meeting, they all start discussing what's going on and realize that they've got some soulmates there in their forest that they didn't that they didn't know were there before. And it's through these whole conversations that they have with other people in their forest that they realize, ah, 
love is blossoming and blooming here. And that was Porcupine's plan all along. I love how you bury the lead too that you said they hold a meeting, and I'm like, I, be- I believe that um, I believe that Porcupine maybe made the sign that said there will be a meeting. <laughs> all of the meddling, it's just terrific. <laughs> I I I think to have to have a love story be about a meddler in that way, so a character that that loves love and just wants to see folks find their other is is a really charming premise and one that I was surprised to reflect and think I haven't seen this done before why haven't we just had people wanting other people just to be in love so I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> to hear it sounds like that that is very much a part of you that you are sharing in this book and I, I'm grateful for it I'm here for it thank you yes I like one of my most favorite things is when people find their match and their partner and however they define that I know I know a husband or a wife or a long-term partner is not in everybody's cards and they have their own way of finding somebody that they would classify their soulmate and however they define that. I am so in support of that. I I don't have any matches made that I have brought together, but like, oh God, I would love if I could do that someday <laughs> and become the person. I do officiate weddings though and I love officiating weddings. It is just the most joyous thing and oh man i love love it's it's crazy <laughs> i mean you, you work in children's literature i i yeah I, coming from education it I, I am i have taught long enough to have kids that are now out of school that i taught right and it it wouldn't surprise me if one day you know these two these two young individuals come and say um excuse me jason june we first met at one of your book signings or something uh. <laughs> when we were just seven and eight years old. <laughs> oh, um, it's just wonderful. I should, I want to, <laughs> I don't even know why I'm sheepish about asking this, but Lori, I, I don't think we're bearing the lead, but do you also perhaps love love or <laughs> I feel like maybe you do. I mean, who doesn't love love? And, <laughs> and what, what I loved too um, about, the story when I read it was, you know, how universal that that concept is, because for a young kid, you know, romantic love, they're they're not at that age, but they love a sibling or a friend or a stuffed animal that they sleep with every night, you know, or a teacher. Um, so it, I just found it so relatable um, and just such a charming and fun story. So. I love love too. And Jason June is making me love love even more. Oh, nice. I appreciated in both the text and in the art that there also isn't this space. I feel like when we do talk about love in in the elementary school setting, often it gets used as uh, as an attack, as a quill but not in a fun, pokey, adorable way, really as a like, I know who you love. Oh, you love them as an insult, which seems bizarre that we could use love as a, as a power to harm people in that way. Um, So to have this space saved in the illustrations, as well as the text that, that all of this fun, that, that, porcupine's persistence um, brings to the forefront is all still just seeing one another and 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 finding finding that there's someone else that that speaks your language uh whether that is 
a touch or a, an interest in this in science or I don't know what, um, but just just being seen by somebody else. Uh, it, it's just it's a different kind of it's a different space to occupy. Thank you. I really wanted in the text to not define what it meant to be in love in terms of the quote unquote right way to be in love. And what I really love is through Lori's illustrations, we have so many different types of couples. We have so many different types of interests. Uh, they have different ways of uh, expressing their affection with each other. And I thought that to your point that that was just really important to make it where love is a universal experience, but it's also such a special thing for you. And it's, it can be unique to, to the love that you have and that it should never be used as something that's an attack. There's no right or wrong way to love, no right or wrong person to love as long as both people or all people are on board um, within the relationships, then it's a beautiful thing. I, was saying, uh, Lori, that I really appreciated the space that you saved in your illustrations to be, um, well, to be gender fluid with the different characters. There's no, there's no set gender roles in these characters. I know that Jason June, I could, I could tell how deliberately you worked to, uh, leave out pronouns where, where possible so that it wasn't like Ben Bear discovered that he was in love with this girl bear or whatever <laughs> to not be even me saying it feels extremely constricting <laughs> um but but that that not only do we have i don't know some some of the characters have um eyelashes that look styled a certain way or or blushing cheeks or uh, a wonderful scarf that looks an awful lot like me, like the transgender flag pattern repeated over and over, which just makes me smile. And <laughs> um, other other little things like that that just feel that feel like saving that space, Lori, for the reader to see what they want to see in this art. Do you want to see the animal that you love? Do you want to see uh, a certain pattern or a look or something that in whatever way nods back to you that says, I see you. I, I feel the effort made in your art, Lori. And I think you did a really beautiful job. Oh, thank you. Um, thanks so much for that. Yeah. And, and Jason June's manuscript really um, is, was so brilliant in that way where that room was there for me as the artist. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that we, added those notes in there, you know, like the scarf um, and the rabbit's yoga mat as well. And and Jason sort of helped through through the editor act as an advisor, you know, to me to make sure, I, and I really wanted to make sure that what I was doing was representing in a respectful way and, and the correct way. Um, so I appreciated, you know, sort of the guidance that, that they both gave to me on that. Um, and then sort of the, you know, the little, the little details like the eyelashes and things like that. Um, those are little subtleties that, that kids notice. And, you know, I bet a lot of grownups that read the book, you know, miss little things like that, but I know that kids get it and you don't have to, you know, kind of beat them over the head with really, really, um, you know, obvious, uh, obvious visuals because they're, they're going to understand that. 
Um, and then with the interests of the animals where you have like the rabbit, you know, making the carrot smoothies and the other one's doing yoga. And then we have the raccoon with the crossword puzzle and the other one with the dictionary. Those are all little things that I added in there because I wanted to show that you can find these relationships through um, activities that you enjoy to do. Like you can find a, a friend that you love through you know, an interest that you have. And maybe that's something, um, you know, like, like the, the tea or the, um, you know, or the crossword puzzle, stuff like that. So, um, and I thought it was just like a nice, uh, little detail as well to have kind of like a re another reason for each set of animals to be pairing off together. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really fun for me as the illustrator to have the space to, to kind of add all those layers in. I draw attention to those details because of the same reason I draw attention to the fact that this book connected in such a beautiful way with my five-year-old, which is to say that you know kids are ready to explore these ideas in front of them, to see other people, to understand. Um, and and I think that it's it's important that we, I mean, I, I'm coming from, from teaching where I had colleagues that would say, oh, you don't really think that's appropriate to be sharing with a first grader, do you? Um, in this case, it was, uh, in case he listens, I'll even just say the name. Um, it was Worm Loves Worm by J.J. Austrian mm. and mm -hmm. Mike Carrado, where I was like, you, I love that book. you don't think that it's yeah. appropriate for children. But I, I also want to save space for people, not for their ignorances, but for people to, to, to just, you know, um, challenge themselves to question, are, are you trying to protect a child or are you afraid? And that's why you're not reading it. And if it's that you're afraid, we need to recognize that kids are ready and that, um, that, that we help make that space for children. We help protect children, um, by, by showing them everyone, uh, and yeah. by, by, by showing respect for everyone and how they show up in the world. So I just appreciate that, you know, that this is a book that, 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 so beautifully connects with very young children from my experience and that um and that so many of the grown-ups in the in the lives of those young children can have an opportunity um to have their families be seen too that is really special thank you so much for talking about that i've actually been discussing when it's quote unquote inappropriate to share queer characters with people a lot lately. And my answer, whenever anyone brings that up is always, there's never an age where it's inappropriate. It's like queer people, neighbors, family members, kids exist. And if we don't start explaining these relationships, like you would any relationship to a young child, you're not going to get into the nitty gritty of how everything works, but you you explain concepts like love to kids and you explain concepts like what it means to have a mom and a dad or any parent or guardian. And you can use that exact same language for the queer community. And by shielding kids from that, it actually creates this whole realm of shame and spirals into self-hate uh, when we're told that our existence is forbidden or unmentionable. And it's actually doing way more harm than good by keeping true experiences and communities out of kids' eyes and minds and hearts. And just even from my own experience, and I know I'm not the only queer person who has had this experience, but I knew I was queer when I, as young as three years old. And 
I didn't have the words or the terminology to explain it. But like I would watch The Little Mermaid and I never, ever thought I would be the Prince Eric. I always knew I would be the Ariel in that. And you see all these wedding scenes and couples in children's media. And I always, always, always knew that I was the girl part of that. I was the feminine energy in there. And I, I couldn't have said that as I just said it now when I was three. But I knew that's what I wanted to be. And I knew that was what was in my heart. And what I'm so thankful for now is that we do have books like Worm Loves Worm and that we're on this cusp of, of having more and more queer characters in picture books specifically so that when kids are first starting to form their sense of identity, they know from the get-go it's okay to talk about themselves and it's okay to talk about what's in their heart, whether or not that fits with the, the mainstream cisgender heterosexual norm. Uh, and again, like I say, the three-year-olds, four-year-olds are not going to know cisgendered, are not going to know heterosexual, but they are going to know I'm not that. And I feel different than that. And opening up the space to talk about that is just such a beautiful thing. Oh, I like the way you put that. They're going to know I'm not that. I've talked openly on on the podcast before um, about about how, how a constrictive world made me feel uh, really up until adulthood like like there was something wrong with me i must I, I should perform a different way in order to figure out how to to write myself and religion got mixed in with that and mm -hmm. uh, shame got mixed in with that and that was that was a real thing that that then i take into how i walk through life now and how i make space for other people but especially for other children um to just have that space because I feel like it's we adults that tend to immediately want to sexualize everything. Yeah. And and just how how it's even just okay. I bet every single one of us, all three of us, had the experience of and can remember I get I can feel like the lightning when I think about it. Um, what it what it felt like to touch your friend's hands when you were young. Um and I remember what it meant for me to touch this particular friend's hand. And that when um, some of my other friends started to question me about it, how immediately um, shameful I registered that as, and and that I kept sort of getting that message. I'm, try I'm trying really hard not to make this about me, and I'm seeing I'm like getting self-conscious that I'm making this conversation about me. Oh my word, I'm so sorry. Anyway, <laughs> folks, it's important that you save space for children and yes. for love, and that love is just love. Love is love. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't, I don't even know. Just give space for people to freaking love who they want to love. Thank you in this book for giving that space. And also for having a character that's like, you deserve to be in love. I'm just going to poke you. Porcupine's <laughs> not even poking to be like, hey, you two. We never in the beginning see like, you know, Porcupine goes after this one character and then immediately to the other that would be like a good quote unquote match for the character. Nope. Just poke, 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 poke. Um, and I think even that says something like, hey, I just think you deserve to be in love. You seem upset or lonely. Find someone to be with. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think that's my my hope with Porcupine. I know that some people might read it as just like, what? He's being kind of a turd that he's just poking people. <laughs> uh, but what is actually going on is I was hoping that Porcupine was sort of a personification of emotion in general specifically he's love but 
our emotions hit us out of nowhere. We don't just say, I'm going to be happy and I'm happy, or I'm going to be angry and I'm angry. We, our body and our, that swirling, wonderful, beautiful mass of our soul just reacts to what's going on around us. And it's then how we process that, that is what's in our control. But that initial feeling of, of any emotion will pop up on you out of nowhere, out of your control. And that's what Porcupine is emblematic of. He's not trying to be a little jerk. He's, he is trying to be that emotion in you. He sort of has recognized that in these characters, they have this face ready for love. So he's that initial poke, like, yes, you can go for it. You can, you can start feeling it, have it. Just like if we watch a movie that makes us cry, we're not like, I'm going to cry right now. It happens. And it's just our soul is recognizing, oh, you're ready to feel this emotion and you feel it. And that's the whole, the whole crux of porcupine, letting you feel those emotions. And I, I tried to sort of complement that in, in the art in a subtle, in subtle ways um, in, in the environment. So there's some favorite details in the book um, that I tried to sort of put uh, a layer of love um, over the whole book. So it obviously takes place in the woodland kind of forest environment and all of the greenery in the background, all of the trees and the plants, all of the leaves are shaped like hearts. <laughs> so there's sort of love just emanating through the whole environment. But again, you, you know, at first glance, it just like, oh, it's greenery. But, you know, I don't know if your five-year-old noticed that, but there are like little hearts all through um, every single leaf. Yeah. And then, of course, porcupine's nose. Um, and porcupine's tongue. And sometimes porcupine's mouth is what we were pointing out too. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. And then the page um, where the animals pair together. Yeah. Um, if you look very closely at their faces, you notice something changes on there as well on that page. I won't give it away. So the listeners can, can go find it on their own. Oh. Um, but that was another little just like shift um, of the physical character in that one moment that, you know, puts a little bit of love in there as well. So that... Um, yeah you know, for me, was really fun to add into as illustrator. My favorite part about that is not only are they like hearts, which is emblematic of love, but just how painstakingly you put in all these details. Like there are thousands of hearts in it. You can feel the love that you specifically put into our book, Lori. And I just really, really, really love that. I know picture books, like it's in the title. They wouldn't come alive without the drawings, but I just, ah, I feel so connected to you through this book and I just love it so much. Oh my God. So it, does that mean that maybe I am going to be a unicorn too? Yes. <laughs> oh, you're already there. You are already there. I'm so excited. Okay. There's hope. There's hope. <laughs> oh, Lori, I love the, you know, we read, we read picture books and we look to the characters' faces to, to understand, to read emotion the way that Jason June was saying that porcupine really is this embodiment of emotion, but I love for how confident porcupine is that, that those moments where he loses that smile and wistfulness, um, it, it, you really give us those beats there. You really give us those moments and then turn it promptly right back around to a smile. Um, <laughs> But there's just yeah, there's, they, there's I, I nice. love drawing 
I love drawing um, emotion. Um, like one of my favorite pages in the book is um, after Porcupine is yelled at by the um, <laughs> yes, British that's bear. Yes, was. <laughs> um, there's the, the three little spot illustrations where it kind of has its own emotional arc on that page. And again, that wasn't that wasn't in the words, but there was a. I knew there had to be a beat in the story to kind of transition us to that that next pivotal scene um and so you know anytime i can throw in a set of spot illustrations that shows an emotional arc like i'm there i'm first in line so <laughs> that was really really fun for me or even just like the um the body language on that page i think uh came out really well too um so i'm, I'm glad that that came across well, it's a book that makes me smile a whole lot, and this conversation makes me smile a whole lot. And I hope that all your readers are, are feeling that love too. Jason June said it right. Like you are literally just surrounded by love. And I can't imagine, Lori, just what it what it meant to commit that to your reader. That just I am going to fill every page of this scenery with love for you, with love for your reader. Because I know when you're making this you're you're making it for these characters and you're making it to serve the story, but you're also making it for them. And it's, it's just, it's a great, it's a great thing. You did a great job, Lori. Thank you. I think that, um, I think that uh, maybe what needs to happen since I heard off recording that you and Jason June know each other from critique groups and things. I think maybe there needs to be just like another unicorn story brought into the world. I feel like I know Jason June that you've got you have a chapter book series or something that that is Myrmicorns, right? Is it chapter book? Yes. Yes, it's the Myrmicorn Island series with Scholastic. But but about... there's room for more unicorn related things, right? Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> Like half of my manuscripts, my picture of manuscripts are about unicorns. That's amazing. I I would love to have a full on unicorn picture book someday. Well, maybe maybe it should I'm happen. I'm ready. With I'm waiting. Yes. <laughs> you just let me know. Are you listening, publishers? Buy my books so that Lori <laughs> can illustrate them with me. All the publishers listen to the Children's Book Podcast to hear where they can get more ideas for books to sell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Um, thank you both for for all that you brought into this conversation and more importantly for, for what you brought to this book and, and to the world by being the two people that you are. I really appreciate that. Um, do you want to share, uh, Jason, June, if you want to share a little bit more about these Myrmicorn books you have coming out or anything else? And then, Lori, I'd love to hear what else you're working on um, before we wrap up. I think that'd be great to know what other what other things you're all bringing into the world. Absolutely. So I'm so excited about the Myrmicorn Island chapter book series. And the first two, Search for the Sparkle and Narwhal Adventure, are already out. And this is a world full of unicorn-mermaid hybrids called Myrmicorns. And in Myrmicorn Island, every Myrmicorn has a magic power that they call their sparkle. And it's unique to each Myrmicorn. Some people have powers like being able to make really amazing baked goods at the, at the wink of an eye or the flick of a tail. Others can turn into any sort of color they want. Others can swim super, super fast with super speed. Uh, we have other species in Myrmicorn Island that all have a magical gift. So like all dolphins have magical echolocation that helps them find anything they're looking for. 
everybody in Murmurcoin Island is magic, except for our lead character, Lucky. And he's feeling really left out that he doesn't have a power. And so he's gifted with a treasure chest full of magic seashells. And each new Murmurcorn Island adventure focuses on a new shell that has a new power as Lucky learns what it means to have magic and finds out that really the greatest magic of all is just believing in yourself and knowing that it's not about some external power, but it's about your heart that can really help solve the problems that you come into contact with in life in general. And so uh, the next book, the third book is going to come out in July and the fourth book in October. And I'm just so excited for this whole series. It was such a beautiful, magical escape to go into in the year that was 2020. And (laughs) I was lucky enough that this project sold uh, at the beginning of 2020. So before we knew it was about to go down and then the deadlines were fast and back to back. So it was kind of like, I didn't have the option to not to not write or to let myself get too caught up in the world, which was so easy for me to do. And to have Scholastic and my editor, Anna Bloom, just really bring all this magic into my lap to remember that magic does exist in the world, even if it's not actual magic like Myrmicorns under the sea, but just there's magic in our relationships at a time when I couldn't be around the people that that bring all this joy and magic to my life was such a great gift. And I hope that that's what comes across in this series that that the greatest magic of all is the magic we have with our friends and our family and even when life isn't perfect we can find ways to pull that magic out that sounds lovely congratulations on those releases thank you Lori. what have you been working on over over quarantine or what what else do you have coming out I mean, once again, this is a tough act to follow. I'm so of, sorry. Again, I'm, Do I know, I'm following Lauren? magical myrmicorns. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> magical myrmicorns written in pandemic. <laughs> um, I'm just teasing. I love all that. Sounds yeah. awesome. I can't wait to read it. Um, for as for me right now, I'm actually working on a jacket. Um, for a middle grade book. Um, a couple of years ago, I did the art for the jacket um, for a book called Rosetown by Cynthia Ryland, um, who's, you know, no big deal. deal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There is a follow-up book coming out called Rosetown Summer. So I am working on the jacket um, for that book, which is really fun for me because it's more of my ink and watercolor style that I, I kind of do these architectural type um, paintings and, and it's more in that style, which is totally different from my picture book. So it's a fun, it's a fun change. Um, and I'm also working on a book dummy for my next author illustrated story, which is not yet sold. So everyone has to like, give me the good juju and the magical unicorn sparkles to uh, <laughs> hopefully this project at some point um but it's a, it's really fun story for me to work on um and uh you know during the pandemic i i really had a hard time with with trying to write you know there was just all of us know the weight that we were carrying uh in in many different ways in all of our households and i just didn't have it in me and then i finally finally felt it coming and i was like wait a minute i I feel a story that wants to come out. So I've been working on that for a couple of months and, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully it'll go somewhere. But um, yeah, in the meantime, I'm just going to wait for the, the Myrmicorns. That's so awesome and though. Mm. I've seen that dummy and it is awesome. It is oh. so much fun. That That's great. I, you know, Lori, I don't know that you and I have ever talked 
on social or anything about it, but I am a bit obsessed with knowing the artists behind different book jackets from middle grade novels and, and YA novels. It's it's how I've there's a couple artists that I've actually come to know distinctly because of their their work in that space. So to know that that, that that's also a space you work in is really cool to me. I think that um, so much of having a good cover serve that book inside just really it, it really makes stuff work and um and here you are in that space too i love it yeah and that was actually my first um my first kind of entrance into into that space which was which was really nice and the art director had been following me on instagram and saw sort of my watercolor architectural work and she was like hey we we actually need something in this style i think you'd be great for it so it was just one of those happy things that happen through social media would you say that the editor was not unlike a porcupine who saw <laughs> something in you and just poked poked <laughs> i never thought of it that way but you see that seems to me then like the magic is the, the magic is already happening i see it I see it happening. Well, thank you both for joining me tonight. I'm going to close by giving you a chance to speak directly to those readers who I know are always on your heart. Um, Jason, June, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yeah, I would tell everybody to just find the bits of yourself that you feel like you feel like for whatever reason, it's been hard to bring to the surface and show other people and show those people. I know it can be really scary to do things that feel like they're different, that feel like they might not be accepted. And sometimes that might, might be true. And there might be people that that try to tell you that who you are and how you want to display yourself and your heart on the outside is wrong. But they're wrong about that. And your heart is a beautiful thing. And the biggest gift you can give to the world is to show it. So do that. And I guarantee that there are people in your community and in your friend circle and maybe through your teachers or through your family that have your back and have your heart. And if you can just let them know that you need a little help showing those, those aspects of yourself to the world, I bet somebody out there will do it. And if not, I'm cheering you on. And oh. you can do it. Lori, I'll ask you the same thing, that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes. So I used to have uh, a shared studio space with, with a bunch of other um, artists and, and entrepreneurs. And there was a poster on the wall with a seven word message. And that message was work hard and be nice to people. And I think that no matter what you do in life, if you follow those instructions to just work hard and be nice to people, you you cannot go wrong and you can always feel good about yourself. So I try to live my life that way. I try to encourage my kids to live theirs that way. and. I would encourage um, the kids in that library and all of your listeners to, to live their lives that way too. This is Megan P. Brown, 
author of picture book biography, Indelible Anne, the larger-than-life story of Governor Ann Richards, illustrated by the incredible Carlin Witt and published by Random House Studio. You can learn more about Indelible Anne and my other forthcoming titles by visiting my website, www.meganpbrown.com. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-P as in Paul, brown with an E on the end, dot com. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winter in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 650 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner. And your support and contributions will directly support and impact Matthew's work. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Bye now. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.